You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just surprising you all with that right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be continuing on in this a uh, little lesson series on the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? What's the purpose of the body of Christ? How should the body of Christ function? There's so many elements to the body of Christ, and we're going to be diving in a little bit farther into this passage here tonight. So, First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, and tonight we're going to be reading verses 1 through verse 7. Verses 1 through verse 7. If you're there, say amen. All right. Sounds like most of us are there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through verse 7, the Bible says, this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different administrations, but the same Lord. And there are uh, diversity of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given unto every man to profit with all. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for this day today. Thank you for your precious word that can teach us and mold us and make us and and uh, show us things that we need to change and give us direction and guidance. And um, Lord, I just pray that you will uh, illuminate our hearts and our minds tonight as we uh, uh, learn some things from uh, this passage here. And I just pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, the Bible is a living word and it's so cool how you could take the same passage and 10 different men can preach it and each the Lord shows them something different from the same passage. It's really cool how the Bible's like that or, or like how you can be reading the Bible, maybe read a passage that you've read 100 times before and then the Lord shows you something new out of it. I just, I just think the scriptures is so cool that way. And uh, I actually had put together my whole lesson for tonight and uh, a couple days ago I... I uh, went back to it uh, Monday, uh, first thing I was, you know, after Sunday was all done and then Monday I was there and I was working on my, 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 my lesson and I was going over everything I'd done. I put about six or seven hours of work into it and it just was not res- resonating with me anymore and I could not get my head around what I had put together and the Lord was showing me something different and so I erased the entire thing and started over and it was like, ah, it kind of crushed me to do it, but the Lord get, gave me a totally different direction with this passage and I'm excited that, I, I'm excited that he did, but it was kind of like, oh Lord, I put like six hours into it. But I'm excited with the direction he gave us tonight. So uh, let's look at some, uh, what the Lord has here. We're going to be in verses four through seven and see some application. Now, therefore, there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit and there are different administrations, but the same Lord and there are Diversity of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given uh, to every man to profit with all. Uh, have you ever, uh, tonight's lesson is, is uh, I entitled it, uh, Unity in Humility. 
Unity in humility. Uh, have you ever had uh, something that did not function properly? Maybe a vehicle. Have any of you ever had a vehicle or a tractor or something else mechanical that did not function properly and the frustration that can happen with that? Um, I don't even remember how old I was. I think I might have been like 20 years old and we were up north camping as we have done for many years now. It doesn't seem like that long ago that we started doing that, but we've been doing that for quite a few years now, going up camping every summer, taking our family up there to the campground. And uh, at this time, I was in need of a car. And uh, this was before Facebook Market, and of course, before Facebook Market was? Craigslist. That's what you went to to, to find everything. Um, Craigslist is kind of considered a dinosaur now, but some people still use it. But I was on Craigslist and I was looking for a car, and, um, you know, I was, I was like, I'll just check to see. I'm up here. I might as well check to see if there's something here in the local area. And uh, I remember we were, we were camping with uh, the rabies at this time. And they were up there, and I found a 1999 Camaro. Uh, it looked like it was in beautiful shape. Mr. Raby actually went to look at it with me. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Went to look at it with me. He did He's like, I don't know if you tell me so. Um, we went to look at it, and um, it was a beautiful car. Not a speck of rust on it. Clearly, they had um, put it in the garage for the winters. Uh, but when we got in to drive it, um, it just wasn't running right. Uh, it clearly was not running on all cylinders when we were trying to drive it. And um, it, it, it was just kind of a little clunky when we were driving it and it wasn't like just giving the full speed. And um, so I thought, you know, I, I, had, I don't have a lot of experience with vehicles, but you know, I, I got some advice and I looked up some stuff online and I thought it might be the spark plugs and the coil. So I was like, if that's it, that's a really cheap fix. So I went, I offered the person 1900 for it. They took it. And I was the proud new owner of a 1999 Camaro that could barely drive down the road. So I was able somehow to get it home, driving, I don't know, probably like 45, 55 miles an hour, get it all the way home. I changed the coils and I changed the spark plugs and my, it, it purred like a kitten. It purred like a kitten for the next five years until I got married and Rachel didn't know how to drive a manual, so I had to sell it and get, a, uh, get something else. Uh, but I love that car. And, you know, this is what's crazy, is that here you have that vehicle, thousands and thousands of moving parts inside a vehicle right? Thousands. I mean, think about the engine and think about all of the teeny bolts and, and, and the, the, the way things move. And, and uh, you know, I got into working on cars for a little while and, and they're, they're um, on my um, uh, Honda uh, CRV. I was doing some adjustments and just the way the engine moves inside, like if it's off by the tiniest little bit, how it can affect the engine. Just, just the way things move inside the engine. It's, it's unbelievable. So here you go. You have this whole car, thousands and thousands of pieces, thousands of moving pieces. And here in this one, we had a spark plug. All right? Spark plugs, if you don't know, are very, very cheap. Okay? You can pick up a spark plug for like four bucks. Okay? It's not an expensive part. 
So you have a spark plug, not really um, something that anybody really thinks about in a vehicle, not something that you would think about would be a really important part, something that a lot of people might not even know is a part of their car, but because those little spark plugs, little tiny cheap spark plugs, in a place that you never see them in the car, you don't know where they are, they're at, most people, and they don't know what they do, but because it wasn't functioning correctly, the entire car was barely able to accomplish what it was supposed to accomplish. What the car was created to do was not able to accomplish the, the full impact of what it was supposed to do because of a tiny little spark plug that most people don't even know where it's located, may, doing, a, doing a little function, you know, and, and as I was thinking about that and thinking about the body of Christ and, and how miraculous and, and amazing the body of Christ is, made up of millions of people all over the world, all functioning in different areas and doing different things, and talk about, right, a car is a complex uh, piece of machinery, the engine, the, the electrical. Oh, there's one thing that I hate that goes bad on cars, it's electrical. That is just an absolute nightmare. But the complexity of all of that, and we just take it for granted that those cars all work together. But that, you know, the, think about the complexity of the body of Christ. You know, all different people, all different walks of life, all over the world, working together, functioning in their own local churches, functioning as a church. And you know, when one piece, when one member of the body is out of alignment, you know, just like when one piece of that car is not functioning correctly or, or is out of alignment, it can mess the whole car up, right? Eli works on cars every single day, and, and uh, he was just telling me that he was working on some cars. You have one piece of that car that's off, the whole car, is, it can actually become dangerous to drive. Something that's useful and helpful can actually become dangerous just because of one piece that gets out of alignment. And just like those thousands of parts of a car work together for one purpose, so we as a church work together towards one purpose. Right? Your car has a purpose. It's to get you from one place to the other. That's why we have vehicles. Obviously, we all have different kinds of vehicles. Some vehicles are nicer. Some vehicles are bigger. Some vehicles are smaller, just like churches, right? But they're all accomplishing the same task, and that is to get you from one point to the other. And we are working together as a church for one purpose, for the gospel and the discipleship. And the more effectively uh, uh, we work together, the more effectively the body of Christ works together, the more uh, that the church can accomplish the mission that Christ has commissioned it to do. So in lesson one, in verses one through two, we talked about Paul's reminder to the church, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away with these dumb idols. Even as you were led, Paul didn't want them to be ignorant. He wanted them to understand the truth. He reminded them that they were Gentiles, unsaved. That was past. Uh, you know, now you are followers of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, you know, this was the test, the test of the message. Wherefore, I give unto you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, right? He's giving two parts of a test here. The first part is a, the negative part. The other part is the positive. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, all right? Test the message. If you're calling Jesus a curse, by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. That's bad. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Um, obviously, in this day and age, most people would agree that people wouldn't come right out and say Jesus is accursed. But, you know, when people teach false doctrine, when people teach things that go against Scripture, for all intents and purposes, as far as application go, they're calling Jesus accursed. 
They're, they're calling Jesus a curse because they are denying the Scriptures, or going against the Scriptures, or undermining the Scriptures. All right? The Scriptures are our sole authority of faith and practice. So, so that can be our test if something is true or not. Is the teaching lining up with Scripture, all right? Uh, or if they're undermining the gospel and the truths of the gospel, all right? So that's, that was our first two lessons. So here we go. Let's move into our third lesson here tonight. Now there are diversity of gifts, verse 4, but the same Spirit, and there are different administrations, but the same Lord, and there are uh, diversity of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Man, there's just so much in these few verses, uh, but we're just going to um, look at it a little bit here tonight. So at this time, the, uh, at the church of Corinth, there was a lot of misunderstanding about spiritual gifts and what they did. There was a lot of misunderstanding at the church of Corinth about spiritual gifts and how they function. Sp the spiritual gifts had been given to the church at Corinth uh, by God um, and uh, to edify, to build up the church, to reach their community with the gospel. And, and Satan was actually taking the good thing that had been given to the church and was using the very thing God gave the church, the spiritual gifts God had given the church, and Satan was actually using those to hurt the church. He was twisting and distorting the good things that God had given to the church. And isn't that just like the devil? Isn't that just like the devil to take something so wonderful and pure and holy like spiritual gifts and distort and twist them and use them uh, to a destructive end? That's just like the devil to do that. We see it all over this world. He takes things that God has created that are good and wonderful and he twists and distorts them. That's just the way Satan works. So it's no surprise he was doing it when it came to spiritual gifts. But there's all kinds of questions that were being battered around at this time. Uh, you know, there, there was questions like uh, for the church here at Corinth, you know, which gifts were essential and which gifts were most valid and which gifts were most true and, and which gifts were most important. All right. Clearly, their minds were not in the right spot. But they, these were the things. Which gifts, spiritual gifts, are most important? Which ones are most useful and needful? Which spiritual gifts should have the preeminence? All right. These are some of the, the arguments and debates that were going in the, in the church at Corinth. Which gifts were, were, should be most desired and which should be most coveted and which gifts were more honorable and what gifts were more acceptable? Uh, so here we see that God had blessed the church at Corinth, the believers at Corinth with an abundance of spiritual gifts. They had an abundance. It's very clear from this passage, all the spiritual gifts that God had given the church. And why did God give the, the, this church uh, all of these spiritual gifts? So that they could effectively reach their community with the gospel. That's why he gave them those spiritual gifts. He gave them to reach their community with the gospel. He gave them those gifts so the church could serve each other. That's what spiritual gifts are for, so we can serve each other. That's, that's why they're there. And um, however, the church, um, it was being totally ineffective at the work of the ministry. It, had, it, it, was, being, it was a totally ineffective church. Uh, some began to feel that the gifts, some, some began to feel that, that, that uh, some gifts were more important than other gifts. Uh, obviously, 
some began to feel like they wanted the gifts that somebody else had. Some, some people began to get jealous of the gifts that another person had and envious of that. So clearly, what sin was in the driver's seat at the church of Corinth? The sin of pride. And as I was going through this and really thinking through this, I was just, it, th that, that just jumped out at me. And that's why I ended up erasing my whole other message and, and starting afresh is because I was like, wow, as this church at Corinth, so many of these issues that they were having, so many of the problems that they were having were rooted out of pride. It was the pride of the members, of the leaders that were causing the division and the problems here in this church. If you get down um, to it, uh, the root problem here was pride. Now, what are some of the evidences of pride? And it was, it's funny because we actually just did a lesson in Sunday school last week, a few days ago, about pride. So I kind of was just going through some of uh, those notes. But what are some of the evidences that we are filled with pride? How do we know if we are filled with with pride. So those of you that were in Sunday school, this is just some of the stuff we went over, but I felt like it was needful for this uh, lesson as well. But here's some of the evidences we have of pride. Pride is bragging or lifting up ourselves, thinking we are better than others, thinking that we are more deserving than others. You know, I think like if you just think of it like musically, you know, like maybe somebody that's gifted musically and has that gift and they're a good singer and then somebody else gets up and they sing and they're just like, I could do better. I could do a better job than that. Right. Have you ever thought that I could do a better job than this person or that person is doing? That's pride. Thinking that we are better than others, thinking that we are more deserving than others. Uh, conceit. Conceit is excessive appreciation for one's own worth, virtue, or value. That's conceit. Excessive appreciation for one's own worth or value. Arrogance. Arrogance is the attitude of superiority manifested in an overbearing manner or presumptuous claims or assumptions. Presumptuous claims or assumptions. We're not going to really go through you you guys understand superiority the quality or state of feeling superior to somebody constantly and this is one that i remember struggling with as a teenager but constantly obsessing about what others are thinking about you everything that is said or done is somehow about you self-absorption self-absorption is being absorbed or consumed with one's own thoughts activities or interests i gave this illustration in sunday school but I remember being at a wedding and the best man got up to do uh, the speech and the best man is sitting there and for 10 minutes he gives a speech and the entire speech, about 95% of the speech was about him. And I just remember they're sitting there thinking like, whose wedding is this? Like who's getting married here? I'm really confused because your entire speech has been about yourself. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's the way you're right. The people that some people are so prideful. It's just like, it doesn't matter what happens. Somehow everything is about them. Even going to a wedding where somebody else should be honored, somebody else should be lifted up. And somehow the entire thing is about them. Uh, I, I've seen the exact same thing uh, th that happened at a funeral. This was a few years ago, but a person got up and gave a testimony 
I guess you could call it that. And it, the whole, entire thing was about them. And I'm just like, wow, this person, literally, everything revolves around them. The, the, the entire world revolves around that. That person was clearly self-absorbed. These are all evidences of pride, and that is exactly what was happening here in the church of Corinth. Because of pride, they were totally ineffective at accomplishing what God had called them to do. The purpose of their church was being totally hindered because of pride. You know, I wonder how many times this is the issue in our churches today. All right, it doesn't matter what church you're a part of or what church you attend, or, 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 or what flavor of church, each one of those churches has to fight against the sin of pride. All of us have to fight against that sin of pride. Maybe it's some ministry leaders uh, develop a sense of pride. Ministry workers start to think that they're, they're more important. You know, I've known some churches, and, and I don't know if the pastor was a prideful man, but that pastor sure communicated the fact that he was a prideful man. And um, I just, I remember this one, and I was just like, oh my word, I could not imagine working for that guy. That would be an absolute nightmare. It's not pastor. Pastor's a great guy to work for. Just, just FYI, in case anyone was wondering, okay? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, you know, at the heart of most tensions, confrontations, or personal issues people might have within the church is the root cause of pride. Now, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. Right? So think about it. Think contention. Tensions in your life. Um, problems with other people. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. Let me ask you this. Are you in confrontation with someone today? Are you in confrontation or do you have ill feelings towards somebody or there's unresolved conflict? I think that you'll find that pride may be keeping us from resolving personal issues in our lives. If there is a personal issue that you're going through, if there's a personal issue you're struggling with, I guarantee you pride is going to be hindering your resolution. Is anybody going to pick that up? <laughs> we all know it's, it's going off. That was a long ringer. That was a little catchy, actually. Listen, when it comes to pride... Pride and unity, pride and unity, listen, pride and unity, they cannot cohabitate the same church, okay? You cannot have the unity of the church and the church be being ruled by pride at the same time. Those two things do not work together. Selfishness and pride, listen, selfishness and pride is especially destructive when it comes to relationships, all right? Selfishness and pride is especially destructive when it comes to relationships. Since the church is built on relationships, think about it. That's what a church is built off. A church is built by relationships within the church. And since it's built off relationships, pride can have catastrophic effects in a church. It's an absolute uh, poison. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, 
But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. You lift yourself up in pride. That it's vain. That is vain glory. Worthless. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. You cannot esteem others, or that means to hold others in high regard and be filled with pride. Listen, you can either lift yourself up or you can lift others up, but you cannot do both at the same time. You cannot be lifting yourself up and lifting others up at the same time. And that's the purpose that spiritual gifts were given to the church, to reach the world with the gospel, which is serving, and so that the church could serve each other. So pride literally goes against that. Listen, uh, this is something I really struggle with in my life. Pride is a constant struggle for me. I cannot tell you how many times I'm having my time with the Lord, and God, I, I, God will convict me, and, and he'll bring a conversation that I may have had the day before to my mind, and I'll think about some of the things I said, and I'll just be so embarrassed and ashamed at the pride that was communicated out of my mouth. You know, I'll be thinking through a conversation, and I'll be like, wow, that was such, that was, a, that was an incredibly arrogant thing to say. And I'll just be so embarrassed about it and humiliated before God. And so pride is something I really struggle with in my life, comparing myself with others, uh, thinking that I'm better than I really am, um, maybe judging others' motives. By the way, you, nobody has the right to judge someone's motives besides God, okay? Motives is something I see judged all the time. Now, we can judge, uh, we, we don't judge sin. We just say, hey, this person is in sin. God says they're in sin. We're just agreeing with God. People like to use that a lot when it comes to judging, like, stop judging me. But it's like, well, you're living in immorality. I'm not judging you. Like, this is sin and wickedness before God. God, God says it. When you're judging, what you're doing is you're judging motives. So you're assuming why someone does something, why they don't do something. Nobody but God gets the right to judge people, all right? And so, you know, sometimes we read through the scriptures and, and the Bible does say, uh, communicate what someone's motives were through the scriptures as you're reading. They did this for such and such of reason. But listen, God's the only one that gets to do that. We don't get to do that because we can't see people's hearts. That, that was for free. That was... <laughs> Didn't really have applications, just thought I'd throw it out there. Um, how, can we, um, um, how can we conquer pride in our hearts? Number one, we can recognize and admit that we are proud. Amen? We must recognize and admit that we are proud. C.S. Lewis, um, what, this is what he had uh, said about pride. He had a lot of things to say about pride, but here's something he, he said for those that don't know C.S. Lewis. He's a, he was a, an old-time Christian apologist. He wrote, you know, those children books, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. But this is what he said. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. At least nothing whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, then you are conceited indeed. <laughs> you will not solve the problem if you do not know it exists. So the first thing we have to do with every sin of our lives is recognize the fact that we have this sin and that we struggle with it. You know, it's funny. Is sometimes it seems like the proudest people have no idea that they're proud. <laughs> it's so obvious to all of us. 
And you know what's interesting is you read through the Scriptures or, or you hear great men of God, especially those of the past, like maybe even Charles Spurgeon, and you read some, and, and he talks about the depth of his pride and, the, and how proud he is and, and his shame. And so it seems like the people that are the most humble are the most observant at the depth of pride that they have in their lives. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. We serve a gracious God that's willing to forgive. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. Number two, express your gratitude. Um, there was a man that once said, "Pride, a proud man is seldom grateful because he never thinks, excuse me, a proud man is seldom grateful, is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. <laughs> Isn't that so true? They're seldom grateful because they always think they deserve more than they have. There's just something about having a grateful spirit that is blessed of God. Something that saying thank you, that it just takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts them onto other people. The Bible talks over and over again about thankfulness. If we, um, well, let's see here. Because that when they knew, uh, Romans 1, 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. I got lots of verses. I got to move along quickly here. Um, next, practice servanthood. Practice servanthood in your life. A person who is truly great is always willing to be little. A person, you know, you know why pride fights against serving so much and why pride hates serving other people? Because pride desires to be served. So literally, when you serve other people, that is, that is going, that's flying directly in the face of pride. All right? That's why it's such a good exercise. Um, I remember when um, we were kids, and I, I think my parents got this principle from Bill Gothard, but they said when you're bitter against somebody or upset at somebody, do acts of service for them, and that will help change your heart towards that person. So that person that you can't stand, you despise, get them gifts, serve them, have them over for dinner, whatever. Do acts of service towards them and that will change your spirit towards that individual. Practice servanthood. You know, Paul talks often, even beginning his letters, talking about how he was a servant of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus is our ultimate example of servanthood. And this one, and, and this one as far as this goes, this is... Just super practical. Um, learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to laugh at yourself. There's an old saying that, blessed are they that laugh at themselves, for they shall never cease to be entertained. <laughs> you know, uh, Jacob Miracle, he's not in here. He, we're singing Sunday, and uh, I was going to look up, I can't remember what, what the song was. I am notorious when I'm singing choir for singing the wrong words. I just, I do it all the time. I have no idea why. Um, sometimes the word I insert is theologically correct, and uh, sometimes it literally makes no sense at all. So Sunday, Jacob leans over to me, and he goes, um, he goes, hey, listen, I just want to give you a little bit of feedback. I, I wish I knew what word it was. I can't remember what word it was, but he's like, you keep saying and he said the word, and it's actually this other word. And, I, and then I looked at what it, what it was and the word I was using, and I'm like, it doesn't even make sense. Why would I even say that? And I honestly, I could not stop laughing. I don't say that. I just, 
I laugh at myself all the time because I do so many stupid things, okay? Uh, but, you know, prideful people take themselves way too seriously. Prideful people cannot laugh at themselves. Just learn to laugh at yourself. I wonder how much more effective the Church of Jesus Christ could be if we just set aside our personal pride. Now, very quickly, so here, the Church of Corinth, it was being totally ineffective for the cause of Christ because we see of the root um, sin of pride. And although this next one isn't directly dealt with in this passage, I feel like it's a really good application. But another uh, root sin of, uh, rooted out of pride that can be totally destructive to a church is the sin of gossip. The sin of gossip. Totally, I would call it a sister to the sin of pride. The sin of of gossip. Gossip is rooted straight out of pride. Gossip, a person who habitually reveals personal or, or, or sensational facts about others. That's the dictionary definition. Who repeats rumors or reports and um, of an intimate nature about someone else's life. You know, you're literally tearing down someone else's character, talking about things that they do. Listen, gossip absolutely crushes um, relationships. Gossip destroys relationships. Gossip hurts your relationships and gossip hurts your credibility. Gossip hurts your relationships and gossip hurts your credibility. And, and listen, we, the church of Jesus Christ, absolutely has to be a place where we can develop healthy relationships. Because you cannot disciple somebody, which is the calling of a church, if you have no credibility. You cannot disciple somebody if they don't trust you, okay? You literally, that's, it's impossible. You're, you're never going to be able to lead and disciple somebody that doesn't trust you. This, uh, lead and disciple somebody that, uh, you know, if you're a gossip, you cannot disciple somebody. You just can't do it. They're not going to trust you. And since that's the calling of the church, uh, gossip is literally one of those things that can absolutely destroy what God has called us to do. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28, A forward man soweth strife, and a whisper separateth the chief of friends. A gossiping tongue can separate the chief of friends. We've been friends for years, and that can be destroyed because of a gossiping tongue. Whispering or gossip destroys relationships. Now, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. All right, this is as true as true can be. This is a warning. You need to be careful around people that gossip. Okay? You need to be careful around people that are gossips. I was around somebody that was just gossiping hardcore. I mean, they're just going on and on. And you know what I thought? If they're talking about those people to me, I wonder what they're talking about. I wonder what they're saying about me to those people. All right? I'm telling you, that is the nature of a gossip. What, if they're gossiping to you, you can bet that they are gossiping to other people about you. Okay? Because that is the nature of who a gossip is. It's their character. It's who they are. You know, there is, it, this is so sad, but there is a person who I have told my wife, you are, when you are around this certain person, you are not allowed to say anything. Because anything you say 
they use as ammunition against our family to gossip. Like anything, like anything you say will be gossiped about. And there's one person that I've told my wife, you cannot say anything around them. Just, just nod and, and just, just don't say anything around them because everything you say ends up being gossiped about all over the place. Gossip destroys relationships. This is not how the church of Christ was meant to function. And you know what? This is something I struggle with too. I'm not, I'm not saying this like I don't struggle with it. I, I struggle with a gossiping tongue. It's something that I constantly have to be on guard against in my life. It's something I constantly have to be aware that is coming out of my mouth. But listen, it's just like pride. We got to be aware of the fact that we have this problem, okay? I'm sure there's some people that never gossip. That's just not a problem with them. Bless your heart. Most of us struggle with it, okay? Most of us can slip into a gossiping tongue. Um, it's really interesting recently. Actually, I don't often have my wife listen to a, a podcast episode with me because I love podcasts. But I was listening to a business podcast recently, and the whole podcast was about gossip in the workplace. And I learned some really powerful principles from this podcast about gossiping in the workplace. But here are some principles that I learned from this episode of gossip. This guy literally has a business. He has built a company where he goes in and helps businesses develop not, not having a gossiping culture in their business. Isn't that crazy? Someone would hire them to come into their company just to teach their people how not to gossip and how to function properly. But um, so, so this business leader, he was talking about the devastating effects of gossip in the workplace. This is what he said. The biggest cancer in every organization, and we could also say church, the biggest cancer in every organization is gossip. This is, and then this was the next thing he said, and this has been so powerful. Actually, as soon as he said it, I, uh, I sent myself an email with this quote because it was so powerful. It said, the real conversation you need to have with somebody is the one you're having about them with somebody else. I'm going to say that again. The real conversation you need to have with somebody is the one you're having about them with somebody else. You know, if the world understands the secular world understands the devastating effects of gossip, right? They're just looking at it from a business aspect. They're like, gossip hurts the bottom line. We're less profitable as a business when we gossip. Um, we're, you know, we we're not able to grow properly when we gossip. So if the business world can understand the devastating effects of gossip, how much more should the church of Christ this not be said about us? That we are a that 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 the church is a place where gossip is heard, where gossip is, gossip is communicated. Ephesians chapter five, verses one through four. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. Someone that loves you, you do not gossip about people that you love. You just don't do it. If you're gossiping about somebody, you clearly don't love them. You love yourself. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanness and covetous, let it not be named once among you as becometh saints. That's totally unbecoming. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking. Can't gossip be categorized underneath foolish talking? Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. 
We have no higher standard than the fact of who we are in Jesus Christ. And gossip is unbecoming for a child of God. It is unbecoming for a child of God to be wrapped up in gossip. Here are some quick tips on how to kill gossip in a church. Number one, this is, these are principles to live by, also that I learned from uh, this episode. So these aren't from me. This is where, where teachings from this, this uh, episode on, on gossiping. But he said, the first thing he said is, the number one, he said, at our, our company, we have the number one principle, be loyal to those who are absent. Be loyal to those who are absent. Number two, never speak differently about somebody when never speak differently about somebody if they were in the room than if they were not in the room with you. So the way you talk about somebody, you would say the exact same thing if they were standing right there in the group with you. Never speak differently about someone when they are not in the room than when they are absent. Number four, bring gossip to light when it's happening. Bring gossip to light when it's happening. You maintain trust when you are loyal to those who are not present. When you're loyal to those who are not present, you maintain trust. I don't trust people that are gossips. All right? And I don't think you do either. We just don't trust them. And how sad would that be if the church... And I'm not saying, I'm not saying like our church is a big gossiping church, okay? I'm just sharing with you these are some things that the Lord showed me that are destructive to the church of Jesus Christ. And I have been in churches where gossip is absolutely out of control, but I also know it happens here. All right? I know it just, it, it, it has to happen here. But I don't trust people that are gossips, and that's just the truth. We need to take a stand against gossip and ridicule, and we can do that without being offensive to the person that is gossiping. Here's the best conversation, once again, from this. And this is, I actually wrote this all down just so I could memorize how this was communicated because it's so powerful. But he said, this is such a powerful way to crush gossip. So let's say somebody is gossiping, and they're like, you know, Linda, she never shows up to church on time and she's always late for her class and she never prepares for her class. And so this would be the type of response. It, you would say, listen, I know Linda would be really hurt if she heard uh, you saying that. And so if you see areas that Linda could improve in her life, why don't you go ahead and go talk to her? And if I see areas that she can improve on, I'll make sure to uh, go talk to her as well. But I'd like to just suspend judgment of her for right now uh, until I see those things. Wow. Would that just totally wipe out that gossip conversation? It was so powerful. I actually had to, I had to write it down because it was so good. Listen, nothing builds trust faster than not gossiping, and nothing destroys trust faster than gossiping. You know, sometimes I think that gossip and pride, once again, they go hand in hand, but those are some of the things that can throw the church of Jesus Christ out of alignment. One gossiping member of a church can totally throw a church into a tailspin. I've been part of... There is some churches that I've, I, you know, I haven't been a part of a lot um, besides fellowship, but I, I have, you know, through my years going to college and, and, you know, up at Kobiak, I've been able to be a part of some other churches. And, and, um, and there's, 
gossiping can crush a church. It can totally keep a church from fulfilling the call that God has that church to fulfill. You know, it's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all about communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, I would encourage you to talk to um, someone, talk to pastor, talk to myself, so you can find out and know for sure that you are part of, part of this body of Christ. You might be like, I don't, I'm not even sure I'm part of this body of Christ. You know, I think all of us recognize the fact that we all struggle with pride. Okay, All of us struggle with pride. It's, it's, it rears its ugly head in our lives over and over again. We need to be aware when that happens. We need to understand what's happening. And as far as gossip goes, guys, let's not allow gossip to be part of this church. Let's just, let's just eradicate that. Be loyal to those who are absent. Be loyal to those who are not in the room with you. You know that I was at a Harvest Fest just last Saturday, and there was a youth pastor there, and and uh, he was just gossiping about another youth pastor, and I didn't say anything, and I should have. And I was so ashamed of myself for not stepping up and saying what I should have said. Now, the things he was gossiping about, I agreed with him, uh, but it was still sin. It was still wrong, and I should have been loyal to that man that was absent from that conversation. So listen, this isn't something I have conquered in my life, and it's something I'm still growing in. But I'm telling you, if we can conquer that gossip, first off, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have healthy relationships. You're going to be more effective at discipling people, leading people, and we'll just be more effective in what God has called us to do as the church, which is to reach people with the gospel and to disciple them, to reach people with the gospel and disciple them. And remember, the gifts were given so that the church could serve each other. Gossip and pride do nothing but serve yourself. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.